What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. We are your hosts, Chase and Miles, and we are at the Lucky Duck. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on this very blessed day. Blessed be to thee. Blessed be to thee. Thank you. Um, got a great show for you. Thanks for listening in. Miles, who do we have on today? You don't know? I forgot. I thought you booked her. The producer did. They didn't tell me. It's a blind booking. Uh, I didn't even prepare an intro. God damn it. Well, it was three years ago when I first didn't meet her because <laughs> my brother didn't care enough to introduce her to me. It was only three or four days ago that I actually met her. Her name is Angie. She comes from Miami. Yeah, we've probably known her all our lives because we also <laughs> live in Florida and it's a super small state, so everyone knows each other. But I don't know what her hobbies are. I don't know what other things she likes because Logan's a piece of shit. But what I do yes. know is that today and all of this week, I'm going to learn a lot about her. And you are too. And you are too. This is Angie. Welcome. Yay. <laughs> Hi. Um, I don't know anything about me either, cool. so this will be a journey together. I actually Perfect. know a lot of stuff about you. Oh, already. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, cheers. What are we drinking, Angie? Uh, well, I'm drinking a non-alcoholic pina colada. I don't know about you guys. Mm. Mm. Ours has alcohol in it. I think I forgot to mention that this is Logan's fiance. Oh, shit. Yeah, Logan's our brother. That's a key piece of information. <coughs> if you haven't seen his podcast episode, please go watch it. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we also have a su super secret um, extra edition podcast of him that if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will get access. Oh. Super secret, super secret. That's super crazy. Secret. He throws around a lot of racial slurs in that one, so you might want to check it out. Um it's going to be a good one. Uh, just kidding about the racial slurs. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I am. You'll have mm -hmm. to find out. We would cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, welcome, Angie. Thanks for joining us. We're really, uh, really excited to get to talk to you in length and in a very intimate <clears throat> vacuum setting uh, because, like Miles mentioned, um, we this is our first time meeting you, uh, you know, since About Logan. five minutes ago. About wow. <laughs> five minutes ago, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I what's what's up? Who are you? Why are you the way that you are? <clears throat> I don't even think a psychiatrist could tell me why I am the way that I am. Okay, nice. <clears throat> um, but I don't know. I don't know who I am. I'm Angie. Angie. Yeah. Angelina or Angie? Angelina. Okay. Angelina, oh. if you want to get fancy with it. Angelina. Angelina. All right. What is that? Is that um? <coughs> you, oh, uh, is that Cuban Puerto Rican? What is? What do we? Yeah, it's just a Cuban Puerto Rican. Okay. Way of saying it. Yeah. <coughs> uh, yeah. Cool. So you are from Miami, Florida. <coughs> is that right? Yeah, born and raised. Nice. 
and uh, you met Logan in Florida State, right? I did. We met at a UFC party, actually. A friend of ours was throwing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, shit. Who was fighting? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is, no, this is, like, the moment where you, like, break out into, like, a five-minute, like, segment where you're just, like, it was this guy, and he was doing this, and he was looking at me from across the room. No. I had, okay, no. No, right, no. No special. And you were, like, that guy, gonna marry him. No, yeah. no. He was just this, like, weird, skinny, dorky kid. Mm. uh yep you know that was kind of it yeah. <laughs> he's um, cool now though well some say well <laughs> yeah yeah you can't inflate his ego too much right no no but i will take credit for the cool that he's at now okay that <laughs> so, makes sense so um you're drinking a non-alcoholic beverage yeah. because of why uh, I don't drink, uh, mostly because I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease and lupus uh, in 2019. I double-checked. Oh, shit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I am about a year and a half post-transplant. Holy shit. Yeah. It's exciting. That's crazy. That's crazy. So... <clears throat> Could we start from the beginning? Uh, like exactly like what happened? How did sure. you get diagnosed? Yeah. Like how? What's that story? So let's yeah. Um, it's chaotic, and I blame that mostly because I am a younger woman, and it's really hard for women to be diagnosed. It takes years longer than men most of the time. Why is that? <clears throat> just that's just the way the system works. Unfortunately, um, I think that there's this idea that women are exaggerating when they come in and say that something's wrong with them or they're fine or it's normal or whatever else. Um, and so it's led to like, statistically women do take longer to be diagnosed and I, and uh, more often than not, it's usually by another woman physician who actually sits down and takes the time to pay attention to them, which is pretty much the same in my case, actually. Um, so I'd been sick for a while since like 2018 and I was like, no one could figure it out. No one was taking me seriously. They just basically told me to keep going home. Um, so and 2018 was a year before being diagnosed, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I like couldn't keep food down, but I was gaining weight and I was sick all the time, really tired. I threw up blood at one point and I went into the ER and they were like, you're fine. You don't have ulcers. You don't have this. You don't have that. Go home. And I don't, you know, and I kept saying, like, something's wrong. Like, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't party. Like, and no offense to anybody like that, but, like, th like those weren't the contributing. Like, that's not the cause. So yeah. it's obviously something else is going on. And I was never taken seriously until uh, 2019. <clears throat> it was summer. And actually, Dom made me go work out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Our cousin Dom, which you guys, yeah. hopefully we'll get him on the podcast soon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a mutual friend and um <laughs> i was like bench pressing and i like my arms started hurting but i kind of blew it off as like well i don't really work out it's just you know pain whatever eventually my arms swelled up to like 13 inches around and <laughs> it oh was huge God. yeah i like measured it and everything wow. um and i actually went to the fsu uh clinic and so i went in and they were like we think you have rhabdo we're going to do a blood test because rhabdo tends to affect the kidneys. But in the meantime, you should go into the ER, make sure you don't have compartmental syndrome and they don't have to like slice your arm open to release the pressure or anything like that. Um, I went into the ER. They said I was fine. They were like, go home. You're fine. It's not a big deal. The very next morning, the um, nurse from FSU who was like, let's take a blood test. Let's make sure you're okay called me and she's like are you in the hospital right now and i was like no why they said i was fine 
she goes you need to go back you're not fine something's really wrong with your kidneys like i don't understand why they sent you home you need to go back and not let them send you home now was she just like calling you to check up on you or had she like discovered something since you had last been there yeah okay yeah so she um before i had left she's like i'm gonna run a blood test she's like i'll call you if something's wrong she goes if i don't call you in the next couple days no biggie you're okay she goes if i call you something's up so she called me and she's like I don't understand why they let you go home. And she's like, you need to go back. So I went back and, um, you know, my arm's huge and they still weren't really taking me seriously. And I like brought in my test results and everything to say like something, you're not like something's wrong. I have proof. Um, nobody told me what was going on. They just admitted me hmm. and nobody told me what was happening. And I get into the hospital and they're like, all right, we're going to do a biopsy of your kidney. And I was like, what do you mean and they're like something's wrong your creatinine's really high which is not okay we need to do a biopsy so they did a biopsy of my left kidney which um how they do that is basically like a piercing needle so it's a really big needle with a hole in the middle mm -hmm. put that into my back and then they take this little tiny like grabber claw thing and they put it through the middle and basically like snap off a chunk of tissue and rip it out whoa that's exactly how i thought they would do yeah it. <laughs> and they put they put you under for no, that no i'm wide awake oh my all god of it. Yeah, that hurt it's uncomfortable okay it was more scary than anything i actually mm -hmm. remember having a nurse stay and hold my hand because mm -hmm. um, again i didn't really know what was going on they weren't talking to me which is super fucking disrespectful yeah why do you think that is i think it's it, they're trying to keep you calm mm. um and i know where some people if you give them too much information then they start to freak out i'm very much the opposite i want all the information i know i want to know what's going on yeah um and i really hate when doctors talk to each other like you're not in the room and it's like talk to me i'm the one you guys are talking about right like i'm i'm, I'm here yeah. i'm still here guys <laughs> yeah was it also life-threatening at that time yeah like right if, mm -hmm. some, if they didn't do something yes you potentially so yeah. um they take two or three tissue samples and then they, you have to sit there and they go to a doctor and then the doctor decides you need more tissue samples or you don't need more tissue samples. But like, meanwhile, you're laying there for like 20, 30 minutes waiting for the doctor to make a decision. Luckily I didn't need any more cause actually the last one was really painful. Um, so then I go back to my hospital bed. I'm just waiting, waiting. And I'm thinking oh, that's probably not a big deal. You know, I'm so used to just like, Oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. <clears throat> and a neurologist, not a neurologist, excuse me, a nephrologist comes in. He sits down and he looks at me and he's like, you have stage four kidney failure. He goes, it's probably due to lupus. Oh, my God. And I remember he didn't have quite the nice bedside manner. Really? <laughs> yeah, because he said it and then just kind of left. And I, like, <clears throat> broke down for 20 minutes because, like, I knew that it wasn't a death sentence, but it felt like that in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I just broke down for 20 minutes. The nurse was holding me. And then I remember like very distinctly after the 20 minutes that my brain just snapped and was like, all right, what's next? What are we doing? What does this mean? What do I have to do? Like, what's the, what's the next steps? Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing for me mentally, <laughs> but I kind of like just like smushed it down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you, you had mentioned to me earlier this week that you have a very little fear of death. Yeah. Is that something that happened to you or is that a result of this this uh, news or ha is this something that's been stuck with you like your entire life? 
so it's kind of been something that was stuck with me in my entire life, but it was never really thought about in such a way. So I didn't, um, like I, like I said, I always knew that like you live and then you pass and that that's the way of life and that's the way it is. But I never really like thought about it concretely because you're young, you don't, <clears throat> you don't think about death. But I think that really helped when this happened because I was able to say, you know, okay, if something happens, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Which mm. is such a weird thing to think about when you're 23. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Um, and like I said, I don't know if this is good for me mentally, like if that's good news or not. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than the alternative, which is just complete, like you're, you're like, what are these, like the denial stage? Yeah, and the anger, stage, anger uh, yeah, uh, right. bargaining. Sure. And then finally acceptance. Yeah. yeah. No, I was able to just compartmentalize stick it in the back <clears throat> and then say, okay, this is my new normal. What's, what are we doing? So it worked out really well. And then um, they said, okay, so you're stage four. You're going to get a nephrologist. You're going to start doing checkups and he's going to tell you what to do next. So over the next couple months, this happened, I was diagnosed in June of 2019. <clears throat> By September of that same year, I was on dialysis. I was like one point away from stage five when you, which is when you start doing dialysis and start thinking about transplant. Mm -hmm. And by, you know, by the time I was diagnosed, it was way too late to do really anything. So when you need dialysis, that <clears throat> means that your kidney is basically doing nothing. Yeah, it's dead, essentially. Like uh, I have two shriveled up little kidney beans in the back right now. They don't do anything. And did one of them, did they fail at the same time or was one worse than the other? Um, I think they said that one was worse than the other, but they were pretty comparable to each other. Um, basically, they were just like, the, the scarring's too far gone. There's nothing we can do to fix this. We can't bring them back. Wow. Yeah. And so they told you that this was a most likely a result of lupus. Now, yeah. can you explain a little bit about lupus and what that is? Sure. Um, lupus is an autoimmune disease that attacks healthy cells. Um, and I've always, I specifically have lupus nephritis. Oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lupus nephritis, which is in, this is kidneys. Hmm. Um, and I've actually always heard that like lupus attacks the kidneys first. Hmm. Um, so I guess in my situation, that was true. Um, and the only way to really deal with it is by immunosuppressants, which luckily is the same medication that you would use in order to keep a transplant alive. So mm. they kind of even out. Nice. Now, do you know if lupus is like a genetic disease or if it like, is it something that you maybe had out your entire life and you weren't sure about it or? Um, yeah. So it does tend to run in families it's more prominent in women and especially hispanic women hmm. um but it was really confusing for us because i don't have anyone in my family that has lupus and it does tend to run in families doesn't uh selena gomez have lupus she does yeah. and she did get a kidney um, wow from I her I best actually, friend what? i didn't know yeah you know what i did know that i, I know. totally yeah. forgot and um i think her name, not sarah paulson sarah something the girl from modern family one of the daughters she also had she had two tra uh, transplants actually one the first I did one failed know that wow she has two yeah so is that like a is there like a percentage of people who have lupus that will then is it almost like a guarantee that you'll need it at some point or if you catch it early enough and you're using suppressants that you can kind of kick the bucket i the couldn't answer that question okay. but i genuinely think that if it were caught in time you could like manage it you probably end up in like stage one or two sure but at that point there's so much you can do to keep it from getting worse 
when you're at stage four, Right. Not a lot. Not a lot of options. And you found out that you had lupus at that time too. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Anything, right. Yeah. And it was actually, um, I get all these when I found out and I told people my story at the hospital because, you know, you get admitted and you have to repeat yourself all the time. Um, somebody actually said to me, oh, you didn't know. And I was like, no, I didn't know. I would have done something. Not a doctor. I don't understand <laughs> why you're asking me like that. So there weren't any other signs before those initial triggering moments that led you to the hospital none that would reflect kidney disease mm. like i would wake up sometimes with like swollen parts on my face but it looked like i had gotten punched and it was just really swollen for whatever reason in that area which is not indicative like while swelling is indicative of kidney failure swelling like that isn't indicative of kidney failure it's mm. typically in your ankles and in your like the lids up here so things like that. And it's funny, I didn't actually start swelling like that until I was diagnosed and on medication. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so that whole time you were having some weird symptoms, like the food, the, the swelling, uh, when you would go to the doctor or the ER and then they would say, you're fine, you'd go home. Was that a relief to you every time? No, it was incredibly frustrating. Yeah, you were frustrated yeah. thinking there's yeah. something wrong. Yeah, and no one's paying attention to me. No one's listening to me and something's wrong, you know, and it like it's it is frustrating because mm. you you're not feeling seen by someone who should really take you seriously and, and make you feel seen. Do you think they're there? Sh they should have taken these initial biopsies a little bit sooner. Bare minimum, they should have looked at my blood results. I mean, like, a simple blood test would tell you that something's wrong. They Actually, didn't take a blood test when you went to the ER? They do, but they weren't paying attention. Oh. At, like, as a matter of fact, um, after I got diagnosed, my mom went through my records. Because, like, I was still going into the hospital, so I had records. And she found on one of the records at the very bottom of a page, it said, like, kidney function declining. And no one said a word. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Oh no one God. said a word to me. And That's it gotta was be like, incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it was because it basically not only is my body giving up on me, but the people who were supposed to basically protect me also gave up on me. Wow. You know? So it took that one nurse from FSU. Do you do you credit her for saving your life? hundred percent. I actually called her after I got diagnosed and was told I was getting dialysis. I called her and I said, Thank you. And she's like, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Without you, I probably wouldn't have this opportunity. I would just have died mm -hmm. because no one was listening to me. And she was like, yeah, I remember. Like, Because I called her a few months later. And I was like, I don't know if you remember who I am. She goes, I know exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just wanted to say thank you. Like, you saved my life. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. So walk me through the severity of this. So when, when you go, when they finally let you go home after that initial news did they say like you would have died a week later or is there any kind of spec uh, like can you speculate a little bit on like the timeline of how bad it could have gotten it could have gotten pretty bad within a month yeah or two um i distinctly remember that by the time they were like you need to be like you need a port put in for uh peritoneal dialysis and i'll explain that a little bit later um I couldn't get into a surgeon to get it put in. And I finally got a hold of a surgeon and he told, like, I told him my situation. He's like, you should have gotten this like two weeks ago. Like, you need to come in. And he fit me in that same week and was like, you need this. And so wow. I think it's just a whole fault on the entire system. Hmm. 
You couldn't see a surgeon? Was this, this, this wasn't during COVID yet, right? No, no, it was during Tallahassee. And like, so what happens is my nephrologist recommended a specific surgeon for the specific thing. We couldn't get a hold of him. Well, I'd like call to make an appointment and it was always like, oh, we'll call you back, we'll call you back, we'll call you back. No one's answering, you know, no one's paying attention. So we reached out to a different surgeon at a different hospital and he was like, yeah, come in right now, immediately. Wow. I don't understand what's going on. You know, I don't know why you didn't have this two weeks ago. You That's need this so now. Fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So avoid going to uh, the ER in Tallahassee. A hundred percent. city over, maybe. Uh, holy Dr- drive shit. Drive to Gainesville. Honestly, it's yeah. worth it. Just drive to drive. They have to some Gainesville. pretty incredible medical facilities. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I have a family member who works there. He's an autoimmune specialist there, actually. Oh, so that's right up uh, what you were... Yeah. Yeah, so he knew a bunch of yeah. what you were going through then. Yeah. Huh. So okay. I, I got to imagine, uh, I hope this doesn't come off insensitive or anything, but normally when I'm looking at getting a procedure or whatever for minor medical issues, I'm really thinking about the cost and what insurance will cover and where I'm going and, and things like that. Uh, w- was that at all concerned to you at that time? Or no, were you just like not at that time. It was about staying alive. I'm still paying off those those bills because you are um, you're technically not entitled to the insurance that the government will provide until you are officially on dialysis. So in order to get the procedure to get on dialysis, you have to pay for that, which is <laughs> something else entirely. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm still paying those off like yeah. years later, mm-hmm. you know, wow. it's really frustrating. Yeah. So the next step is dialysis, right? Yes. So walk, walk us through that. What's that like? So there are two main dialysis proceed possibilities. Um, one is hemo. So that's the blood. And you have a few options there. You can get a port in your chest, which I had for a little while. Um, you can get a port here in the arm. So it's a little bit easier. Um, or you can do peritoneal dialysis, which is what I did. It fit my situation a little better because I was still going to school and working during this time. Jesus. Where'd you work? The bookstore. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I worked in the technology department. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, that is that. Well, he did too. I Logan. got him the job. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Nice. I see how this is working now. I always wondered how he got a job. Somebody <laughs> is dating the boss. Yeah, man. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're working, you're going to school. I can't imagine. That's that's crazy to think that um, I could. I, I just reminiscing of my college years. That would have been incredibly stressful to have to do exams, buy books, yeah, worry about medical bills on yeah. top of I that. I mean, well, that was the, the main of, reason for working. It's like I have to pay bills. I had to pay rent. I had to pay for school. I had to do all those things. And I actually, um, it was hard. Because actually before my diagnosis, when I was like really sick and no one could tell me what was going on, I actually failed like three of my classes because I just couldn't function. Um, but I couldn't get them reversed or forgiven because I didn't have an actual doctor saying what was wrong with me. So they basically told me I was SOL Wow. for that entire semester. Could you go, you couldn't go back and re- they couldn't retro fix it? Really? Yeah, I did try. What the actual fuck? Yeah. After I got the diagnosis, I went to my dean and I was like, can we fix this? And she was like, no. Or he was like, no. Jesus Christ. Come on. Shame. Yeah. That's all I have to say about yeah. that. Yeah. That's uh, insane. Yeah. So uh, peritoneal dialysis, um, that's typically in your belly and you get a nice little tube 
and you can do that at home which was like the big thing for me I could do it while I was sleeping and it's this um, in my situation it was this giant machine with these giant bags of um, dextrose which is just sugar water Mm. Um, and you have different levels of sugar in the water so what the sugar does is actually pull out the toxins that are in your body so you basically have this tube that goes in your stomach and just sits there in your stomach and it, like a robot. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of like a robot. Actually, I, the, bot, the bottom of the tube was titanium, so I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like yeah. <laughs> fucking Android. <laughs> <laughs> Hook me up, bro. <laughs> You're hooked right directly into the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you'd hook up to the machine, and you'd use a specific bag depending on if you were overweight, underweight, because your weight fluctuates so heavily with the amount of fluid that's still in you because your kidneys aren't filtering it out. Mm. Um, so you would have to really self-regulate and figure out what was best for you. Obviously, they train you on all of this, but it's, it, was, it took me a really long time to actually get a hold of and do it correctly. Would mm. you feel sick if you didn't do it correctly? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really? was so sick was and result. I was swollen and it was not a fun time. And if you overcorrect, it's also not good because your blood pressure drops. You're you're un, you're dehydrated. So it's this really perfect balance that you have to aim for. And it can be really difficult. How quickly do you see like negative effects if it's start if, if you get it out of whack? Oh, oh and almost immediately. Really? It's like the next. So I would do it at night. It was mm-hmm. like the next day. I knew if I did it wrong. Wow. Um, and it was all night. It was like nine hours every single night. So I did it all night and it was absolutely excruciating. Like it was the worst pain because essentially you have this tube just kind of floating in your body. And so what it does is it, the machine puts a bunch of the dextrose in you. You sit for about an hour while it like pulls the toxins and then it sucks out the liquid again. And that cycle goes on all night. But when it's sucking out and there's no more liquid, it's like sucking on the top of your stomach basically mm. like your skin up here and it's just sucking and rubbing like this oh. Hor- horrendous like it's absolutely incredibly painful and especially for me because you're actually supposed to get the surgery get the tube installed and then wait like two or three weeks for it to heal mm. i didn't have that luxury i started the night after they were like no you need to do yeah. this immediately yep jesus you know one time i had to uh, to sleep for a night with a tube going through my nose into my stomach. Yeah. And now I, I feel like a little bitch <laughs> <laughs> because I complained about it so much. No, I think that's incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable too. That sounds insane. You had to do that for for like how long? Um, almost almost just shy of a year probably. Wow, every single night. Every night, yeah, hundred percent. Did you have to? like refill the bags and how does that yeah it was really um intense so you set up the bags for the night you didn't really have to like refill them during the night Mm -hmm. um but every day you would like put in a new bag um and actually it's kind of gross because all of the liquid that comes out of you gets into this big bucket i don't know if logan told you about it it just sits in this giant bucket and it smells so bad it's basically your pee because you're not peeing does it look like pee no no. no, it does have a color to it, but it doesn't yeah. look like pee. Right. Um, but it smells rancid. Oh man. <laughs> and so th- my in my situation, because a lot of times, um, if you have the ability, you can just run the tubing into the toilet, hmm. and then it can just automatically go in the toilet, and you flush it in the morning, and you're fine. I wasn't able to do that just because of where my bathroom was located. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just in this bucket, and then it. Like at the in the morning, you have to dump it out, and Ooh. you like smell. Oh it. It's God. so yeah. bad. It was so gross. Were 
gross. Yeah. PTSD. Yeah, that. it was rough. It was really wow. bad. Jeez. Could you not move either, or could you roll around? No, you really had to stay still because if you um, bent the tube at any point, the machine like yells at you and wakes you up. Like an alarm type of beeping. Oh or, yeah. yeah, absolutely obnoxious. Yeah. So and I had a lot of problems with it. Like it just wouldn't take correctly. It would get stuck. It was just kind of a pain. And I finally got fed up and I was like, something's like, again, something's wrong. I called the company and I'm like, it's making a noise. You know, bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me another one. I got the new machine. I never had a problem. It wasn't painful anymore. I never had a problem since. Like, it was perfect. But I remember, like, distinctly being in so much pain. And the nurse that I had, my dialysis nurse, was like, yeah, unfortunately, like, pain for the first couple months is really normal. Mm. He's like, I've seen, like, 200 pounds, six foot seven guys cry like babies because it's so painful. Yeah. And I was like, this doesn't (laughs) seem right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... It took me a lot longer than I would have really liked to realize that something was wrong with the machine and not me. Mm. But eventually I did get it fixed and I did come like was more comfortable with it. And I really got the hang of it. <laughs> By the time I got the hang of it, I got the phone call that I had a kidney that matched me. Whoa. And I was able to go get one. And the process of getting on the donor list is absolutely asinine. It took really? me longer to get on the list than I was actually on the list. Seriously? What? Yeah. Walk us through that. Okay. So, (laughs) um, when you go through the process of getting on the list, you got a lot of tests. You get like a bunch of blood tests to make sure that there's nothing else going on. You don't have any kind of cancers, anything like that. I got an echo of my heart to make sure that my heart was correct, like beating the way it should be. There's no issues there because they want to basically make sure that if you are getting this organ, it's going to, it's worth it. So they order you with other people based on that? Or yeah. is it even just to get on that list? No, it's even just to get on the list. Oh. And then they order you based on your likelihood of survival after receiving that kidney. Now, because I was so young, it worked out, you know, and I was able to get it, ver- like, I think less than a month. Wow. But actually getting on the list was really hard because they're, they, in my case, they weren't really specific about what I needed to get on. They were like, oh, you don't have this. And if you don't have this test within the next two weeks, we're just going to stop your um application and i was like nobody told me i needed that so i was running back and forth getting these tests getting what i needed you know everything like that just to get on luckily everyone was really understanding about my situation they were like yeah come in it's fine um but i would hate to think if i was in like in a position where i couldn't get a hold of these people Mm. you know and luckily um my roommate has my old roommate in college has crohn's and so she that's also an autoimmune disease so she um She's like, go to my PCP. He's amazing. I love him. I wish I could like bring him with me everywhere. It's best doctor I've ever had in my life. Was that in Gainesville or where was that? That was in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Yeah, he's fantastic. So there are good doctors <laughs> in Tallahassee. There's a few. Yeah. yeah. The only few. reason I got in was because of her. She worked for him, and he wasn't expect. He oh. wasn't. He wasn't um, taking in new patients. No shit. And so she put in a word for me, and I got lucky. Yeah. Wow. I wonder why it's so hectic like that, uh, and they're not. I mean, it's like if you don't get this test done by this time. Then yeah, it's not a good system. You're supposed to have a social worker to help you do all that, but she didn't. She just didn't do any of that. She's like, oh, so how's this going? Did you do this yet? And I was like, this is your job. Yeah. Like if, And I kept saying this even after the transplant. I was like, if I'm old or senile or whatever, I'd be dead. And yeah. I, like because Seriously. of how poor the system is. Totally. And, it, and the kidney is like 
the most requested organ. That's the longest list to be on. How long is the list? Do you know? Any, like, I don't numbers know, but they like do that? tell you that it takes an average of three to five years before you could get a kidney as being on the list. Yeah, that's the first thing they say to you. Don't, you know, be prepared to wait. Wow. Did oh, you, yeah. Did your doctor say that you could last that long as long as you did dialysis? I have much better chances, again, because I'm younger. Yeah. But a lot of people die waiting. Right. And so. is that by state or is it a national No, list? it's a national registry. Mm. So, and, uh, um, you, sorry. It's, no, it's okay. It's kind of also kind of based on the hospital and where you apply. Like, I got sure. rejected oh. at Gainesville, um, but I got admitted at uh, Miami because Tallahassee doesn't have a transplant program. So is it – so based on your proximity, too, because of how – how much time they have in order from, from like the point of actually getting the organ ready to like, you know, needing to get you in to surgery. Yeah. That's a huge factor actually, because you only have so many hours. Mm -hmm. It actually happened the first time, um, I got the call. I wasn't going to be there because I was in Tallahassee and I wasn't going to be in Miami in time. And they were like, then we're just going to go to the next person. Mm -hmm. um, what did that feel like getting that call? Did you feel like you won the lottery? No. I'm very much somebody who does not get excited for anything until it's in front of me. Hmm. So you're like, well, we'll see. Yeah. 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 And I actually remember Logan got really mad at me. He's like, why aren't you excited? And I was like, because it hasn't happened yet. Hmm. And then when that phone call came back and they were like, you're not going to make it in time. We're going to move on. I was like, yeah. Hmm. You know, I was prepared for this. Why do you think it didn't take as long like do, were you expecting a call that soon no oh god no like i was so expecting another five years which to be frank i don't think i was gonna make that really yeah why do you think that it was just a really bad time in my life you know it was covid <laughs> was starting yeah that's even crazier yeah. the story is that you got diagnosed in 19 and then all of a sudden the world starts Stopped, falling apart yeah. apart and there's a virus that that's out there that's like i'll kill you yeah. more importantly is it's the world's falling apart that's centered around basically just the healthcare uh, mm -hmm. system so, yeah. which is what you're tip like you're now you're relying on the healthcare system to survive yeah and i'm like the person who if i get covid like i'm not living through it yeah you know what i'm not a healthy college kid or younger person I, if i get it i'm done you know what I mean? So when like, COVID hit, did, how did that affect your mental health in terms of where did you become more afraid or were you like terrified to go outside or? Not really. We like we obviously made sure not to go outside or do anything. But mm -hmm. I think I was so focused on the side effects of dialysis and lupus and the kidney disease that I just kind of almost forgot about COVID because mm -hmm. that's what was affecting me the most. I could not sleep i was in constant pain my skin was like on fire it was this horrible burning itching sensation that would not stop i actually had welts on my back from the itching mm. it was really horrible so yeah you weren't thinking about oh i'm gonna take this vacation and travel because like you're you're tied to this machine basically yeah. and yeah. wherever you go that machine has to follow yeah. you got you almost did take a vacation we did to come see sarah and me in boston and i remember that was a whole thing having to bring your the machine um and uh ha yeah just having to do it and then they were, you guys were coming in like March or April or something. I, I don't remember. And it was right around the time it 
uh, was the world was like all it hit its apart. peak. Yeah. Like yeah. it hit its peak, and the world's like, no, we're yeah. done. Like we're right. shutting everything down. Yeah. And Logan and I talked about it. We were like, I don't think you guys could come. Yeah. That's just too dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's absolutely. I don't. I know some people do travel with the dialysis machine who do mm-hmm. peritoneal. I don't know how they do it. It was horrible. That machine is so heavy and awkward and bulky, and I d- would have had to bring it on with me on the airplane. Um, and then all of the uh, supplies, so like the dextrose, the tubing, the caps, the anti- um, the antibacterial supplies, because there's some serious antibacterial stuff that they give you to make sure that you don't have it, because it is technically an open wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you're having to treat it constantly, Constantly. Basically? You have to keep it so clean. You have to ch- constantly change the gauze that you have with it. If you pull it too tight, it can come out, which happened to me a few times, actually. Oh, what? Yeah. You had to put it back in yourself? Not, not, <laughs> not out, out. Oh. But like, so it pulls a little, and so the skin on the inside comes out. <sighs> and it happened to me a few times. Does it hurt? Or is oh, it just it's, weird? it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But my pain tolerance is relatively high. I could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, if you weren't, then that, that sounds like even more of a... Well, yeah. I'm sure you also gained a little bit more tolerance, too, of yeah. having to keep doing that every yeah. single fucking night. Yeah. Um, so it was just a really bad pain. And you had to, like, get all that supplies shipped to wherever wherever you were going. That's really heavy, so it was really, like, expensive mm. through um, the insurance. It was a mess. And so we were like, it's just, it's not worth it. The hassle at this point mm-hmm. you know it was really and it was really frustrating because i was really looking forward to getting anywhere that wasn't my house and my bed right because i spent the majority of my time in my bed and that you know that can't be fun for anyone <laughs> yeah. um so you know it really was unfortunate yeah so you get the first call mm-hmm. and then you find out i remember getting that text from logan he texts the entire family like angie got a donor she got the call we're we're packing everything up blah 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 so what happens after that we raced down to um orlando and my mom met us in orlando like and then she raced down all the way and uh, luckily because we called and we were like look like i'm in tallahassee like am i gonna make it and they were like yeah you're fine actually and so what i later found out was that it was because it was someone who was in a coma and wasn't going to come out of that coma. Uh, and so they waited for me to check into the hospital to finally let him pass on so that I wouldn't have to worry about wow. the kid. Yeah. That's crazy. really lucky. Like, yeah. I just kept getting lucky. So this is the one you got. Yeah, this okay. is the so one So you I were got. still in Tallahassee yeah. for the second. Yeah. Wow. And how much time had passed? Remind me, because I, I, I'm trying to remember from the first call where you, they told you basically. A oh, week. A week. A week. Wow. What? I wasn't. Yeah. No joke. I was not expecting another one so quickly. Some luck. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's looking after you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Logan does work for the government. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was not prepared for another one so soon. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I got put on dialysis in September, and I had my kidney of, I think it was like July twentieth, twenty twenty. Wow. So, so almost just shy of a year. Yeah. It was really quick. That's and, crazy. And it, that the majority of that year was literally just getting on the list. So you <laughs> get checked in. When does it hit you? Because you mentioned like, you know, it, until it, it's happening, you're, you know, you're doubtful yeah. or whatever. Uh, what's going through your head when you get to the hospital? Nothing. I blanked. Really? Yeah. I remember getting there and I was cold. 
<laughs> in July? <laughs> in Miami? <laughs> what That's why you always get in in the uh, the OR? No. The pre-op. Pre-op, room. yeah. And they're like, do you want a warm blanket? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Give me three. <laughs> yeah. Um, they shoved a stick up my nose to make sure I didn't have COVID, which I had to do constantly. Oh, my God. I had like four or five tests. Oh, yeah. That's got to be weird because it's COVID and nobody can go with you right correct they weren't letting myself. anybody nope. that's got to be terrifying yeah it was not not a good time i actually still have pretty severe ptsd from that whole experience after the transplant it was really rough really yeah what, um, uh, if you had covid they wouldn't have they wouldn't have operated on me really yeah they would have sent me home wow yeah i guess that makes sense yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, or they could like put extra gloves on or something. <laughs> I wonder if that's still the protocol now that they know a little bit more about COVID. I would imagine. I don't know. With vaccin- vaccinations I don't know. and stuff. Yeah, vaccination. Maybe yeah. if you're vaccinated and you had COVID or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Low low rate of transmission. Wow. Yeah. So okay. Well. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, so it's you, okay. you get checked in the pre-op. I get checked in. Um, they. I don't even think I changed into a gown or anything. Like I just got rolled. They were like, you're going to have your, um, I got there at midnight. I waited, took a nap <laughs> and they're like, all right, your, your, your surgery is scheduled for 8am at 8am. They came in and like rolled me out of my room. Um, I just remember being put on like this, like very cold steel slab. Um, there was music. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What music? I don't remember okay. at all. <laughs> and I just remember telling the guy, I was like, I'm freezing. And he's like, I know. And he like strapped my arms down. To, it was basically like a little cross type thing. Whoa. Um, and then blacked out. Nothing. Because you because don't remember they put me the, under. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They have you count down and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's it. I woke up in so much pain. It was like I had gotten run over by a truck. And then he backed up and did it again. Mm-hmm. Like it was horrible. Describe like was it in the kidney region? Was it all over? What it was everything. It really? was all of it. And um, you know, like you just got cut open and your insides were moved around. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so they I have this like huge scar, which I don't mind. I dig scars. I think they're fucking cool. <laughs> um, but from like about my belly button all the way down to like the top of my like pelvic area mm-hmm. it's a huge like thing like this big whoa yeah um and i like almost immediately felt like there was something where it shouldn't have been because your kidney's not supposed to go there yeah and because they didn't replace it no they don't remove kidneys in transplants it's dangerous to remove a kidney it's more dangerous to remove a kidney than it is to put one in so i have three I kidneys right now technically Whoa. Yeah. You're a superhuman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, I immediately was like, there's not supposed to be something there. And there's something there. It was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I had a tube to go pee and I like couldn't move and it was horrible. I actually, um, it might be a little TMI, but I actually ended up on my period. So I just like sit in my own blood because they were like, you can't move. You can't get up. You can't do anything. And I remember like crying because I was like, please just let me go, like take the fucking thing out of me. I want to go pee by myself. Like I want to clean up. And they were like, we we literally can't take it out until like five days after the surgery. Isn't that, uh, uh, no, never mind. I was just thinking of something else, but I can't imagine. I mean, that sounds 
mentally, uh, physically exhausting. Yeah. We, and I'm by myself. There's nobody there like that I know that I trust. Um, and then, so you, you get the transplant, but your kidney doesn't wake up right away. So a lot of people don't know that it's not instantaneous. You have to wait a while. And so what happened was I got put on hemodialysis, like the blood version of dialysis. They put a temporary, um, uh, catheter here in my neck. And then when they decided that I was going to need something a little more permanent for a while, they put it in my chest Hmm. and, um, I was awake for all of that. Wow. <laughs> and I distinctly remember, actually, um, when they put this one in, they didn't take this one out. And I was sitting in recovery, and the doctor came in, and he's like, why didn't they take this one out? I don't understand. And the nurse, like the head of recovery nurse, was like, well, you have to wait for another OR. Like, you have to schedule another surgery to remove it. And he was like, no, I'm doing it bedside. That's so stupid. She's already doped up. She's not going to feel anything. He's like, I'm doing it here. And they got into a screaming match. Jesus. This is like an episode of Chicago Med. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so I was like, I remember all of it. And I'm still kind of out of it, but I remember all of it. And he's like, I'm doing it here. You can report me if you want, but this is fucking stupid to just sit here and have to do this all over again. And so he took it out right there. It's like a crazy nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, And so then I did dialysis there for like three or four more times in the hospital Mm. and then only one more time outside of the hospital, which is like really good, really, really good. So your kidney started to wake up, your new kidney started to wake up and it started to do its job. Yeah. And it took a little while. I distinctly remember. So remember how I mentioned my skin was like really painful. Mm -hmm. Taking a shower was absolutely excruciating. It was like being set on fire. Oh my God. And I remember leaving the hospital and all I wanted was a shower, but I knew that it was going to be torturous. And so when I finally, like my mom had to help me get in the shower and get a shower, I was screaming and crying bloody murder. Like it was horrendous. I just like, I wanted to be clean, but I also wanted to get out so bad because it was such a horrible feeling. That's wild. So it was yeah. your, your skin was just so sensitive to the touch. Yeah. So no matter, even if you like rubbed it with like yeah. a like a wipe or something. Yeah, I felt so bad because like Logan would try to comfort me and I was like, you can't touch me. It hurts. You cannot touch me. So how long were you in the hospital for until you were let go? Eight days. Eight days by yourself with strangers Mm -hmm. where you don't even, you couldn't even see their face probably. Yeah, not really. Feeling horrible, Horrible. nasty. It's, It's crazy because what I, when I found out that you were getting that transplant, what I would have imagined, what I probably imagined was, oh, that's awesome. She's going to be so happy yeah. after, right? <laughs> and it's really like this horrible nightmare, yeah. it sounds like. It was horrible, horrible. Uh, luckily, my grandparents, my grandma is a retired nurse. Mm. And so I was able to stay with her, and she was able to really take care of me. But that first month was so hard because, you know, I'm, I can't walk or stand up straight. I, there's a lot of things I still can't eat. You know, nothing's, it's not, I'm not comfortable. It was really hard. And slowly, you know, you obviously get better and you start to heal and you start to feel better. But I still had severe, like, symptoms after the fact. My skin still hurt so much. It went from an itching to, like, a real genuine burn. Mm. And I got put on nerve pain meds, also epilepsy meds. Whoa just to stop the pain and how long how long were you uh taking those for six six to eight months wow i'm finally off of them but it was a while what was the epilepsy um uh gabapentin and 
it was for pain yeah yeah so it's an uh, epilepsy medication but it's also used to treat like nerve pain which is what they attributed it to and it worked so i didn't care what it was i just took it because it meant i could finally sleep mm, yeah. you know what i mean because right. laying down was horrible was like all over my back was on fire and then i had like restless leg syndrome because i was constantly kicking yeah it was just i sleep was i didn't sleep for months <laughs> yeah yeah when you were uh in the hospital for that period of time would you watch tv was no i slept the whole time oh so you were able to actually sleep sometime? yeah well they gave me drugs right and so you were like numbed yeah you i was numb no it was great there were great drugs i bet they were <laughs> i bet they were they <laughs> were fantastic <laughs> the strongest stuff you can get is in a hospital right? <laughs> yes yeah it was so yeah. good because they made me sleepy and i could just sleep through it all totally. i bet it felt amazing yeah it was great to one finally get some sleep and two not be in pain mm -hmm. were you having some like trippy ass dreams i didn't dream at all really <laughs> No. no. Okay. All right. It's like it was like being put under again. Yeah, every time pretty you... much. Wow. And I was definitely okay with it. Did you ever wake up and just think at any at any of the times you would wake up while you were there and just think, is this real? Am I alive? Yeah, and it was kind of like it, w it would go in like waves. It'd be like, oh, this is happening. Okay, and then it was like, fuck, this is happening. It wasn't, it was like, oh, okay. And then, oh, downhill, like, fuck, I'm here. You know, this is all going on. So the new kidney's in, you get it out of the hospital, you're being taken care of by your, your grandma, who's an ex-nurse, <laughs> and you're probably going back to the doctor to do routine tests and stuff. Yeah. What are they, what, what are they starting to tell you about the status of your kidney? Um, you know, it's looking good, you know, and I'm, I'm getting, so what happens is you end up with a transplant team through the hospital and then you have a separate nephrologist. So everyone's getting the same information, but it's so funny how you get completely different point of views from people, mm. you know, from, um, from the hospital. I'm hearing, oh, it's so great. It's perfect. It was a great match. It'll last you like 30 years, which is really rare. Like I'm fully, what? yeah, fully prepared to have to do this all over again in about 20 years. So you'll have oh. to be put on another list again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kidneys typically I mean, they're getting better. Medicine's getting better, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd, I'd like to be charitable and optimistic <laughs> that in 30 years they'll have, like, some kind of artificial kidney yeah, in place. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, your chances are pretty good. Yeah, that's like. what I keep telling myself. Yeah. Um, but I'm also fully prepared to do this all over again because it is, it is a real likelihood. A lot of people really only last 10 to 12 years, and then wow. they have to do it over. And, you know, when you're older, that, that's a lot of time. But when you're 25... That's not enough time. Yeah. So when they're deciding whether they can use a kidney, do they think about this like, oh, this one will only probably last five years. So to put someone through this in another five years, maybe not worth it. So they're actually changing the way they do it because it used to be where if it wasn't absolutely perfect, they wouldn't use it. Even if the patient was in their 80s and really only needed another five years, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and now they're changing it to where they you know if it's enough to give them five or ten years they'll do it depending on the patient you know what i mean like so Makes someone sense. in my case who's younger they're gonna want the perfect kidney yeah mm -hmm. but a lot of times or a lot of the i think the mindset has changed into giving them enough time to to live a happy enough lifestyle and say goodbye almost you know what i mean wow now, why do you think your, your the kidney that you received is so robust 
for lack of a better word. Because he was only 30. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So that's the that's the defining factor. Yeah, that he is was age. so young. And he probably didn't drink or, you know, yeah, all that no, nasty no shit. Di- that, no, no diabetes, no, yep. you know, underlying health issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably one of the huge troubles of getting kidneys, getting the perfect kidneys. Yeah. Because they have to come from young people. Mostly, most of the time, yeah. If you want like a pristine kidney, they're gonna come from a younger person, just because you know age deteriorates all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not very likely that somebody passes away at a young age where they can also still use those parts in those pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, did they give you details of this this gentleman? Not really. No. Um, I in some instances, like some people get to say thank you to the families, but this family didn't want to be notified, contacted, anything. Wow. Interesting. So, um, actually, the only reason I know what I do know is because it's in the file. No one told me anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Huh. And, um, so finally you're, you're up and walking now and you, you, you're, you're kind of in recovery mode. What do they tell you now how to change your lifestyle or you can't eat certain things or you should be eating? Like, what, what are they telling you now? They're telling, like, Hopefully their thought process is your life goes almost back to normal. You're really restricted when you're on dialysis, depending on what kind of dialysis you're on and what your situation is. Like I know um, some people on dialysis can't really drink a lot of fluids. Like they're like minimal, like a cup or two, like a day. And that's it. Luckily I wasn't on that restriction because of my, it was on peritoneal, not hemo. Mm -hmm. Um, But like there were so many foods I couldn't eat because there's so many restrictions. Like uh, sodium is a really big one. Um, because salt retains fluid, fluid is bad. Uh, fluid ups the heart rate. Like at some points I had a heart rate up in the two hundreds. Like that's, that's, uh, yeah. What'd that <laughs> feel like? Normal to me. Really? I was running on that for a really long time. I didn't know that, that there was something wrong. And so actually when they gave me meds to lower it, I felt like shit. I was like a zombie for a really long time. Wow. Yeah. And I would go in and the nurse would look at me like, we're admitting you because it's not so you could die like this is not supposed to be this high sheesh yeah yeah um but like sodium you know i was on like a limit of under 1500 milligrams a day the average american does third uh three to 35 like you know it uh, campbell's ravioli is like 1700 milligrams of sodium that's yeah. like my more than my daily intake in a can so one can of soup yeah ravioli. yeah so yeah. then you could probably never eat food out. No. Right. No, it was always, always home cooked. Yeah. 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 Wow. I don't think people realize how much sodium is in everything. Everything. Oh, it totally is. And then the people who are like, I had a coworker and we got Chick-fil-A once and he was sitting there with the, the nuggets uh, and he took like six packets of salt and sprinkled it all it over the nuggets. It hurts me when I watch oh. people put salt on things. <laughs> I looked at him and I was like. Are you kidding me? Like, no. what did you, what did you do that it's for? It's insane. And people, like, people are like, oh, it's fine. I don't put salt in my stuff. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how that yeah, works. Yeah, that shit comes with salt, bro. It's <laughs> <laughs> like if yeah. you're making it from scratch. <laughs> yes, exactly, right. Yeah, yeah. and it's Unless funny you're because whole foods, people, then. people really hate it because they're so used to the salt that they don't taste anything when they first start mm-hmm. on that diet. And you really do have to learn how to cook using like spices and different kinds of things because you can't mm. just rely on salt. What was your favorite meal during that? Chicken. Chicken, yeah. <laughs> 
spicy you know, chicken. Spicy chicken. Spicy okay, you have sense. a preferred spice. What is it? Just the the chili pepper? I literally sauce no 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 hot sauce. I literally was like, I think I did uh, like a little bit of paprika and like chili flakes, and I was just chili like, get flakes. on there. <laughs> All right. Because chili, any kind of hot sauce that always really gives a lot of flavor yeah it does yeah, yeah. it does mm-hmm. without it, without the ramifications of sodium yeah. or all that bad shit that comes with like yeah. all the other sauces that you buy exactly right? yeah. exactly and like even even the chicken like i had to be really careful about my protein intake like i only have about a, a palm size of protein a day like really it was like you're really restricted did it did it take you a minute i'm just saying that you know tongue-in-cheek like did it take you how long did it take you to really adjust to that or were you like no, I have to, you dived right in and, and kind of, I kind of almost, I died right. I dived right in because there was a, a moment there where, when I was still at stage four and he was like, if you can keep this number, you won't have to go on dialysis. Like if you can keep this number, oh. I didn't keep the number, Oh. but mm. at, at, in that moment it was like, all right, low sodium, everything. I was like, <laughs> like in the t- hundreds yeah. daily because it, it's what I was, what I could control. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got a new kidney, check that off. All right, now you you lupus doesn't go away. You're no. stuck with it. Yeah. What does that mean for your lifestyle moving forward? Um. So, a lot of times they'll say after the kidney it goes into remission. That's not necessarily true. What happens is the same medication that you use mm. to keep the kidney alive is the same medication that you would use to suppress the lupus. Gotcha. So I'm on immunosuppressants. I'm on a steroid. I'm on. Um, yeah, I saw you were you were flexing earlier. So I'm just kidding. I know that's. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a stupid joke. Sorry, she laughed. So, <laughs> got him. No. Oh. Uh, no, I'm on like I think it's like ten different pills a day right now. And yeah. It's just like standard. You Damn. know what I mean? Yeah. I hate and taking pills. I got used to I could not take pills for the life of me. You got mm-hmm. used to it real freaking quick, <laughs> let me tell you. Do. I bet you, do. you take them dry now? No, I'm not crazy. <laughs> what the hell, Miles? You psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> take it dry. I feel like if I did it one at a time, it wouldn't be so bad, but I tend to take yeah. them in bulk and it's like a little much. Yeah. You know what Down I mean? The hatch. In bulk? Yeah, all like the whole the whole You never done that? She takes ten pills. <laughs> I feel, yeah, like I, do, I feel like I feel like just relax the throat muscles. Yeah. I'm sure you can do yeah, it. I'm sure you used to. It. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's like uh, the biggest pills are always the fish oil pills. Yeah, yeah. they and they're so gross. Too. You should do the krill oil instead. They're like smaller. smaller. Yeah, but you take a, you take like two or three of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's supposedly a better quality because a lot of fish oils are like apparently like bullshit quality or like they i believe that Mm. i would believe that yeah some of the little pills get stuck in my throat i don't have enough water and well i can't help you yeah (laughs) i was gonna say drink some don't stop doing it dry Uh, it's not it's not a challenge it just it gets it'll get stuck and then i have to keep drinking i mean some people do it a lot of different ways so they'll drink water and then like late like bend forward so that the pill rises to the top and then they can mm. swallow it like there's like many different ways to do it people really yeah. gotta like there's a science to it almost mm-hmm. but i'm also on stuff that like treats the side effects of the main pills that i'm on and then that's crazy and then dude. because i can't eat certain things still i'm deficient in a lot of things so i have to take them like vitamin d iron like a bunch of other stuff multivitamin just regular multivitamin heartburn mm. meds because the medication I'm on causes heartburn. So it's like, fuck really, you're only taking like 
three or four pills to keep you alive, but the rest of them is to literally just offset everything your else. Symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like trying to balance I've heard that. out the yeah. chemical in your body. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, intimidating. It is. It is intimidating. Do any of these have longer term side effects that um, that you have to be aware of? Not really. To my knowledge, I did look it up. Um, I know that certain combinations that are popular could lead are like more likely to lead to diabetes down the road. There have been like studies on it, um, but I'm not on one of those combinations, so mm. it's all good in the hood. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, you do have like certain pills that you can't take with other pills, so you like that's the other thing that you have to be cognizant of, and that's why I've said like, if I was older, this wouldn't have gone as well because like older older folks aren't really paying attention as much or just can't remember and aren't capable. Like if you take two certain pills together, it could have a really bad reaction and, or it like, like just doesn't work. It makes the other pill pretty much void. So it's like, you've just like, you're not getting everything that you need to get. Yeah. And a lot of older people are taking a lot of other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the, you know, just arthritis medication, medication for their gout. Yeah. So do do you have to get checkups on the kidney? Yeah, so I do monthly blood tests, and they just kind of make sure that the number is where it should be, which I am. Nice. Um, I'm, like, really anal about it. Like, I'll check it before the doctor does, and I'll call my coordinator. I'm like, this number is too high. What what do we do? What do I need to change? How how are you checking your blood Oh, I get the yes. updates. I get the oh, results. Oh, I thought you were like doing. Yeah, like, I do it myself. I got the centrifuge at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just... like, mm, <laughs> damn, you're really committed to this. I underestimated you. Um, <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah, because you get the results in your phone. Yeah, and, stuff and, and so I'll like watch it. If there's any changes, yeah. I'll go in. Like I've had doctors tell me, like, yeah, you're really on it, and I'm like, yeah, because mm. I'm younger and I need this thing to last me a really long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. You'd not have to go through that whole situation again yeah for a long time it was rough and i mean like um so i got my kidney in the summer that fall i went back to school and i like finished while i was still wow. technically in recovery congratulations Thanks. and i grad finally graduated <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking crazy couple years yeah yeah or yeah a couple years i guess yeah i mean i had teachers like blow me off and not believe me and they're like you're not turning in your work and i was like do you need to see the Mm. tube in my stomach for you to like i'm not being ridiculous they're uh, you know they're they're ruined because of shitty other shitty people people that are okay so i guess like one specific she was a fucking html prof like (laughs) we are not special she like took the she took the um the position with with great power yeah i was like you're not <laughs> teaching a hard language like Your what introduction to <laughs> programming language basically it's like the easiest one. i know and she was like you haven't started this and i remember i had gotten um like really severe gout in my right hand and i went to my pcp and i had a note and everything and he was like i don't know what that is <laughs> At first, he, he was like, yeah, it was really funny. He was like, oh, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. And then he walks out and he tells my roommate who worked for him. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, preface this, I gave him permission to talk about my stuff with her. Yeah. I don't want him getting in trouble. Yeah. He goes, he's like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like got an x-ray and whatever, and he figured it out. He's like, oh, it's gout. You need to take these pills. You'll be fine. But it was so painful. I couldn't move my hand. Which wow. obviously meant that I'm not yeah. doing any homework. I'm not doing work. Especially if you have to type. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Like, I had a headache. I wasn't doing my work. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That's just called a hangover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a lot of those. Maybe that's why I was struggling. Yeah, and I told her, I was like, I don't know when I'm regaining the use of my hand. I don't know how long this is going to take. And she's like, that's bullshit. And I like went to – and by now wow. I was like already registered with the school and already had all the documentation that was required. And so I went and I was like, first of all, what she's doing is illegal. Mm-hmm. I was like, also, like, why are you putting me through this? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's so why shitty. You're, it's a power trip. That's all it fucking was. Like, she knew okay. she was teaching a shitty language, <laughs> and, and she felt the need to be important. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I totally get it, but at the same time, it's yeah. There, not everybody is faking it. Okay. I mean, Deborah. listen. No, that's totally fair. I've been in. Like, I've seen people use their disability in to their advantage in a way that's not necessary. And it really does fuck with the rest of the system. For sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, to uh, not just in the school system, but what you were ta- telling us before with, with the healthcare system. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, shameful and infuriating that nobody took you seriously yeah. when you went in, in initially into the, into the healthcare system. And they were just like, oh, just another girl exaggerating about this that and the other yeah Um, i was actually talking to one of my dialysis nurses and her daughter was going to fsu and didn't know she had celiac disease and was really sick hmm. and they just kept telling her you know and it was really frustrating for me too because they were like oh did you try this did you try that i was like yeah i've cut dairy i've cut the gluten i've I've done all of these things and so they did the same thing to her and finally you know she got diagnosed but it was like it was frustrating it's not uncommon like that's a totally normal thing yeah especially in that area and it's really frustrating well it's like with uh i know a a huge one is irritable bowel syndrome Mm -hmm. people who have it's just a term for you have something wrong with your with your intestines Mm -hmm. or stomach or whatever so there's something wrong they don't know yeah is it can be really frustrating because you'll go to the doctor the hospital and then they're just like we can't like yeah we just don't know and we yeah. don't know what yeah. to do to find out yeah. take some tums yeah yeah and it's like the same with um women with endo endometriosis and what is that um basically it's the cells that should be growing on the inside of your uterus grow on the outside and it's exceptionally painful oh, gotcha. for women it could be really debilitating and painful they could bleed all the time and they could not bleed at all it just really depends on the person but unfortunately, a lot of these women get told, oh, period cramps are normal. Not to that, not to that extent. If mm-hmm. you are bedridden, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. And people and like women are told constantly, oh, it's normal. It's fine. You know, that's what it is. It's Suck like, it up. No. Because I think that the doctors or whoever, whoever, whatever medical professional don't believe that mm-hmm. the pain is as bad as it, it is. is. Yeah. Right. You know, because that and, that, and, and that's yeah. the that's the natural i mean i think calling it a fallacy would be b- incorrect but pain pain is a, a subjective right mm-hmm. you know everybody's tolerance is different so it's hard there's not there's a hard non quantitative way to measure it and so they're just going off of description mm-hmm. and 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 then you know blood uh yeah. tests and and whatnot and and I can I can I can see how a doctor who has been in doing this for years or decades of having a, r- a wide range of patients from maybe some people who are actually maybe exaggerating it on, on one end and then people like you who are having very real issues and some 
way in the middle it all gets confused and muddled and muddy and and it gets misdiagnosed mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah and i think that i mean that's the reason they came up with that smiley face system i forgot what it's actually called there's a real name for it but mm-hmm. you know it's like oh how i feel based on my mm-hmm. face and a lot of people don't realize that that 10 the when the system was designed isn't supposed to be like the most excruciating thing you've ever felt in your life and that's what a lot of people attribute the 10 to so yeah. they'll actually downplay their how much pain they're in right because they don't understand the scale yeah i think that can be a huge thing someone doesn't want to seem like they're complaining or Mm -hmm. or uh make it seem you know yeah it's painful i have this problem i have that problem but is it really that big of a deal Mm -hmm. if if it was the doctor would probably ask me about it exactly we should look at what is that called because i'm actually curious can you look it up the pain scale and i want to see this chart I, I remember seeing it. It's like on a level of one, one to, to ten, ten. And then you've got like a face that's kind of like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're typing in smiley pain, smiley face. Yeah, that's what she called pain. it. Yeah, it's like the smiley face pain scale. <laughs> I don't remember what it's actually called. Is this what it looks yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when it was like originally designed, it's not supposed to be like, my arm is chopped off. It's supposed to be like, I am in pain and i'm coming to you and i'm talking about it Mm -hmm. um and it's turned into like i've even had nurses say oh number 10 is the most the worst pain you've ever felt Mm. it's not necessarily correct so in this in this one here it says worst pain possible possible. yeah that's part of the like like my if though it's the worst pain possible like that would be my arm was just cut off right and yeah yeah and feels. so like that's different for everybody too it's like the worst pain possible is like okay the worst pain possible for me to bear not my arms cut off you know so that that's another conversation like right. you have to think about like what people's levels are and what how they interpret it that number two if i'm in mid pain I'm definitely not smiling in the least bit. I'm not in the, but see for me, like I'm not in, I'm not in the ER if I'm in mid pain. (laughs) Totally true. You know what I mean? This guy looks like he's just like, (laughs) I'm moderate. Yeah. Moderate pain still has a slight curve to his, his smile. Severe is just like, I don't really, I don't want to be here. (laughs) Severe pain is definitely for me a much more frowny face. And you can only cry when it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, no crying aloud, baby. <laughs> I could see how people who are who are shy may not share much either. Yeah. Right. And you also have to think about literacy like like health literacy too. You know, like yeah. especially areas with like low um just poverty rates, low uh, um help from government. Like health literacy is a big deal. People don't know yeah. when something's wrong with them because they just think, "Oh, it's normal." People who didn't go to a pediatrician when they were younger, yeah, like they haven't been to a doctor. Yeah, they've been to an ER. That's yeah, it. Mm-hmm. yeah, urgent care ER. Yeah, so bizarre. Yeah, how bizarre. <laughs> That's uh something that uh, like I think uh, race and whatnot is a big thing in healthcare too. A hundred percent with like yeah. vaccines, uh, different medications because. Some of those things historically have only been tested on certain groups mm-hmm. of people. And it so creates a distrust. Right. Mm. 100%. So especially with the African-American community, there's still a large level of distrust in, in, in the healthcare system. Um, like with the Tuskegee experiment, I can't pronounce it. Yes. I think you said it right. Tuskegee? Yeah, Tuskegee. Experiment. Essentially, the government purposely 
infected African-American males with syphilis and then didn't treat them, even though we've known, like at that point, had known for years that penicillin was the treatment. They purposely let them live because they just kind of wanted to see what would happen. And they purposely let them yeah. impregnate women, infect women and children just to see what would happen. Oh my God. Yeah. It, and this it, was a government sanctioned experiment. It's a, it's a pretty shameful, horrific yeah. uh, part of our history. Yeah, it is. And, and um, I, that's a large, a large example of where the distrust comes from. Mm -hmm. And so when you have those minority populations, especially when they're below the poverty line, you grow up with, if it's, if you are not dying, you don't go in because we can't afford it. And you don't really trust the doctors to really do what's best for you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I can see like lower socioeconomic, uh, uh, demographics, uh, they're not exposed to doctors or health healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So they, they don't know what to expect. You know, they don't have this rapport, uh, and so when something's wrong or you have something come up health wise, your way of approaching uh, treatment is a lot different from somebody who's used to being in and out of the healthcare mm -hmm. system. Right. Yeah. So um, I can, I, yeah, it's totally a problem. Um, and I think oh, us as a country can do a lot better with how we communicate science, how we communicate healthcare or health treatment. Um, even just like the last two years with this COVID, yeah. I mean, there's we can talk for hours about the pitfalls and the failures of of our government and healthcare officials communicating things that, you know, were wrong or mm -hmm. maybe misguided at the at you know, mm -hmm. at the very least. Um and in in just seeing the 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 backlash of the vaccine of the COVID vaccine and just seeing how distrustful mm -hmm. the American people are. I mean, that's got to be a that's that's a clear problem yeah. like, <laughs> when when science prevails and there's such big divide between yeah. us. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so communication of, of science and, and, and transparency. Yeah. And I think just key. like literacy, like yeah. making sure people understand what you're presenting to them, like a big um, what creates this big um distrust or not not distrust but like apprehension between patients as doctors doctors don't talk to patients as people they don't use layman's terms they use medical terms and the patient's sitting there going i don't know what any of this means and not a lot of people will go the step further and look it up and figure out what that means and, and you know what whatever because they they think the doctor's going to do that for them and a lot of times that they don't either the doctor's overworked doesn't have time or is just too used to the 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 environment to care almost which is it's really sad yeah i think it has a lot to do with um being overworked or seeing too yeah. many patients um I, if, if you think uh, anytime i've gone to the doctor i probably don't spend more than 15 minutes mm -hmm. with them probably at most um and then a lot of times you could also it may not even be a, a doctor it could be an rn or a physician's assistant mm -hmm. which is which is fine um but you know it's you may not even they may not even be hearing what they need to hear yeah. uh, for it to, for them to treat you and then like you said with how they communicate with you sometimes um, at least in my experience it's been they don't explain things and then I'm kind of uh, nervous if they completely understood my situation mm -hmm. 
did they make assumptions about me because of my age uh, or because of being a, a skinnier person mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and so that's created some distrust for me with certain doctors I've been to. Yeah. Hashtag skinny problems. <laughs> skinny problems. <laughs> well, you can, it's the same argument with uh, larger people because a lot of times doctors will say, oh, all of this is attributed to your weight when, right. in, ter- when in fact it's the weight is a symptom, not a cause. Mm-hmm. But people are often overlooked because p- doctors will just say, it's your weight, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight. Yeah, because they think they're they're often trained to look at signs mm-hmm. like that. Um, and because they don't get to spend a lot of time with you mm-hmm. because of how our, our healthcare system is, it's you got to see 20 patients a day or 30 yeah. patients a day. Um, there's lots of paperwork and whatnot. So I don't think we're trying to blame the doctors. No, no, definitely not. Um, but the system and how our, you know, how, how that works. But they're, I think they're trained like that. It's like, Okay, it's a woman. Uh, they're d- with within this age group. They're um, this ethnicity. Yeah. So that kind of narrows down these things. Even though it, there's still a percentage of a, of a chance that there's it's something else. Yeah. But they're probably not going to test you for that. Yeah, because, because it's, it's, be it's expensive. It's not normal. Right. It's not common or anything else. Yeah, I was actually um in the health informatics program at FSU, so like, you know, there's people are trying to create options for doctors to make it so that they can do the filing and the updating of the records quickly so that they can interact with the patients longer. But then you come into this problem where the older doctors don't want to learn how to use this new, this new stuff. So rather than learn, they just retire or the system is backlogged or anything like that. They say no, right? Yeah. uh, Medical chiefs at hospitals and stuff can literally just say, I don't want, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, or they they gain more time because they're able to file things more quickly, but instead of increasing the amount of time they're spending with patients, they just influx more patients. Yeah. Because you know the health insurance companies exactly make it, they yeah. pay out less because it's taking yeah. less time. You're not gonna the 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 practice or the hospital isn't going to increase profitability when they spend <clears throat> excuse me when they spend, spend more, more time, time with patients is if they how many people they can get through their mm-hmm. door and that's a real problem right it is a real problem um. And, you know, it, it's it's an unfortunate um, it's an unfortunate side effect of the capitalistic market of private healthcare system. It is right? because rather rather than having preventative care mm-hmm. to keep the numbers of hosp- people in a hospital lower, we have a lot of reactionary care. That's right. And that's like and, and, and a lot of people have that problem with, you know, uh, how how COVID has been handled. You know, it's been a lot of like do this and um, to get people, you know, uh, stop people from overwhelming the healthcare system and instead of like giving us a, a, a treatment option and allowing us to seek tr- a treatment at home, it's like, um, it's no, we're, we're going to make, sell you this, this like vaccine or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. So I see in the news all the time, it's like, Oh, Moderna's uh, stock projected to increase mm-hmm. because COVID is increasing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's about. Yeah. It's about Moderna and Pfizer and whoever else mm-hmm. stock price going up because they are able to sell more vaccines. Yeah, they yeah. were able to get it out the quickest and they're the most effective right. and everything's and like that. This shouldn't be uh, part of the topic because then it makes you wonder, okay, uh, one of the companies is trying to get approval for a fourth, um, is it fourth? Yeah. Yeah. another booster or whatever another shot so now you're thinking are it do i really need another shot yeah or right. is this because this company is trying to, has prolong, to keep the prolong the exactly. yeah yeah 100 and I, I, again i think that comes from the mistrust because we've mm-hmm. been basically played so many times 
Yeah, look at at the amount of money that's been paid out in in lawsuits uh, between the pharmaceutical companies, and now now it's built into the budget, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of, and, and and all this is public knowledge, you know. Um, that's that's why, to your point, that's why we distrust them. Um, and I don't I don't really see that changing. Do you? No. No, I don't. What do you think we could do to change it? I, I haven't the slightest, yeah. I honestly, because I mean, you could you could say let's do universal health care and having gone through what healthcare is here, I would say that it is, I think it's definitely needed. If not, we should put a little more emphasis on portions of it mm. that would work with us. But do I think it's going to happen? Honestly, no. I think people don't like, one, don't like change. And I two, I think that the word socialism has been thrown around way too liberally. Mm-hmm. And and anything that would even remotely be beneficial to society as a whole, and especially those in certain certain demographics, is immediately labeled as bad. It's socialist. It's you know it's mm-hmm. not democratic. It's not a it's anti capitalist, and so therefore it's bad. And so it's really frustrating because you know I don't think that like I think there are certain components that would really be beneficial, but we'd have to change our mindset. And not only that, we'd have to change the money. And that's the biggest thing. The money's not yeah. going to change. I mean, it's apparent too. If, if money wasn't the objective here, we wouldn't see a declining in our overall population, uh, the health of our population, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're the fattest we've ever been. We're the most overweight we've ever been. And instead of, attacking the problem at the source we're just providing remedies we're Mm -hmm. providing like oh we'll just take care of the people who are sick because of poor health habits yeah again it's reactionary exactly because there's money to be made there right Mm -hmm. it it it, it's like a um they call the military industrial complex but this is like the 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 health industrial complex complex, right 100 um where it's self-serving and and requires a certain level of government intervention to make sure it doesn't take advantage of its people, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about um, systems that make filing easier for our our doctors, maybe there should be laws or regulation put in place where you can't doctors aren't allowed to see more than X amount of patients per day. Um, something like that to where a it protects the doctors from being overworked um, but two protects the patient from being um, you know overlooked or uh, you know uh, kind of um, rushed out rushed out yeah. or you know uh, uh, you know so I mean the, the flip side of that you'll have doctors who are really are just in it for the money and they'll say well no I like the volume of people I'm seeing because I can charge more or they'll charge the wrong code. So like each code that you charge as a physician requires a certain level of time, testing, uh, whatever it is to meet that criteria in order to charge that. And a lot of patients don't know that. Yep. Patients don't know what yeah. those codes are. When you get your, explana- your uh, yeah, explanation of benefits, it's like $1,000 charge for medical procedure. Yeah. 
And I think I'm okay with that. There's got to be a healthy balance between people wanting to do it for the money. Like it is quite a feat to go through the amount of required training as it should be. And and I think you should be rewarded for that. Exactly. So there should be like, we shouldn't just have people there for the money. Like, and not everybody, we we shouldn't expect just like teachers, right? We shouldn't expect every one of those people to be just super passionate. I'm going to wake up every day and like want to go to work. It's unrealistic. Yeah. Right. Like there, there has to be a healthy balance between uh, creating an environment where you still cater to those passionate mm-hmm. people, but also reward them, um, you know, equitably. Yeah. Yeah. Equitably? Yeah. I think <laughs> there there is a balance there. I think some of the Scandinavian companies have done a lot of, uh, they've done plenty of stuff wrong too, but uh, have invested in certain things that have kept their economies um, and people's lifestyles really, I mean, people being happy and things like that um, and their economy strong. For instance, uh, like you brought up teachers, paying teachers a good salary will keep your kids better educated Mm -hmm. because the teachers will be more motivated. You'll get people who otherwise would think I am not that there's there's plenty of teachers who are are geniuses and, and very smart people, but someone who may go and do some other job that's not going to be necessarily contributing to. Um, our society, like bettering our society, uh, won't become a teacher because mm-hmm. it's too low of a salary for them. They can make double, triple, quadruple doing something else. Um, same thing with healthcare. Uh, if we, I mean, to become a doctor, it's costing you like three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna you you don't get paid well for like ten years at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some doctors never really get paid that well mm-hmm. for all the work that they had to go through. And so now you're getting a lot of talent not going into the medical field, which is bad. Or you have talent going into the wrong part of the medical field. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is, which is bad in itself. So investing in some of those things in the right way can really, in the long term, really affect our society. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen with education, that's a huge one, right? We mm-hmm. have a, people are always complaining about our education system now and how less educated people certain areas in our country are than Mm -hmm. other parts of the world and i don't i hate the argument where people will say you know well the teacher knew what they were getting into when they decided to pursue that profession and it's like that's not fair because they go in with passion you need passion for that job but then they get burnt out because there's no support system there's not enough supplies there's not enough to keep this going and it, it burns them out so quickly and the, and it's the kids that suffer and then eventually like society as a whole that suffers right and it's really unfortunate because it tends to be those areas that suffer the most that are also the ones pushing against the uh, upcrease in education and the upcrease in those social programs and it's like and it, it's genuinely because they don't know better mm. and again it comes to information and education and if you don't have access to that education or you're completely content with the way your life is, you tend to push against something that would, at the end of the day, be completely beneficial to you. Right. And it's really unfortunate. And that will always be uh, what is the downfall of humanity. It, like, yeah. uh, I bring up the example of the Scandinavian company uh, countries like uh, Norway and, and uh, Sweden and, and whatnot. Uh, they have a lot of problems because uh, of wealthier people in their countries um, 
moving businesses outside of the country mm-hmm. and paying less taxes, right? We have that thing uh, that a lot of people do in, in America. I know there's, there's advantages to having tax incentives, but people will, will abuse it to mm-hmm. the point where it's, I mean, technically is a lot of the time fraud, mm-hmm. but they can still get away with it mm-hmm. because they can. Um, and that's when it, it, it's exactly that. It's like people, if they, if it will be beneficial to them, they will take advantage of it and we, you can't keep the system perfect. Yeah. And then you also have this, this idea of, um, you know, cost versus like actually what's going to happen. So if you have a hundred people doing something that will positively affect you, you're going to say, okay, well, it's already, all, these hundred people are already doing it. Why do I have to do it too? But that mindset is shared by everybody or the majority. And so you end up with nobody doing the thing that would have, you know, would be pro- like beneficial because you keep thinking, well, all these other people are doing it too. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get the, the eventuality of it <laughs> and not, not have to do any of the work. All right. Yep. What a fucked up world. We live in. <laughs> pretty depressing uh podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean uh, people who uh, own homes uh, anyone who owns more than one home you're the problem (laughs) you're the problem i'm just throwing out there uh you're increasing the cost of uh everyone else's living cost (laughs) that is a pretty big problem i think they were saying like at one point in the during the pandemic i think a third of the homes that were being bought in denver were uh these like rental firms Mm mm-hmm um, so it was, it was increasing the amount of rent people were paying, but also, uh, reducing the amount of, um, uh, listings on the market for people who are like trying to buy their first home, trying to buy mm-hmm. a replacement home of the home they already have. Um, you also have like these millionaires buying homes on like these like plots of land that they'll never actually use or never actually right. live in. Yeah. And then it increases property values for everybody else and they kind of get pushed out of the home. Yeah. Till the recession hits, and then they still have to pay property yep. tax. We, we've made this uh, uh, like thing where we say, if you want to have passive income and be and retire early and be a millionaire, or do whatever, you got to buy real estate, yeah. like buy a house, like rent it out, bad buy a house, rent house. So that, you yeah. know, those like bad we, advertisements you see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We have TV shows about fixing up ha- homes. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad. But if you go, you buy a home, you spend $50,000 on it, and then you mark it up 100 k And you turn around and get rid of it. You just cost, some, you just cost the market 50 k on that mm-hmm. house, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and and that, that's what's happening. People are, are like, do I need to have uh, like the nicest appliance in the home that I'm going to buy or the apartment that I'm going to buy? Do I need a pot filler over my stove? Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> th- it's just, and then, Yeah. What other commodity or asset is is similar in that kind of way? Furniture, right? Secondhand furniture. I always see these TikToks of these guys like, I quit my day job to buy used items on the market, fix them up, and turn around and sell them. Yeah, that's actually a really big thing. Like People will go to the thrift store and buy, buy things and then yeah. turn around and re- resell them. Mm-hmm. And now they're mad that the thrift stores have upped their price. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you think why are you mad? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They ruined a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, they like, did. Like, what they did is they said, okay, there is somebody is selling cheap stuff. I know I can sell it for more, mm-hmm. so I'll go get it 
put a little bit of work into it and then sell it for more. But Miles, that's capitalism. I'm, that's someone being yeah, like, bro. you know. But the the problem <laughs> is that that is that with that you should be providing a service. Like you should be providing a good service, right? Yeah, I think I think in this case, uh, it's justified in in that lo- in that logic because what they do is they'd buy a shitty uh, for a coffee table, or whatever, and then they would they would uh, maybe they're crafty with you know uh, woodworking and staining, so they strip the the paint, mm-hmm. they refinish it, they you know put some caps on it, where and maybe fixing some of the filler, and then. And then sell it. Like in that case, like yeah, he took sure. something shitty, yeah. made it look new, and, and then sold it. So that right? like that you can kind of get behind. You're reducing waste, you know, and you're you're putting real genuine time into something. My biggest thing is the people who go to like fucking TJ Maxx and buy a t shirt and then sell it on Amazon <laughs> for like three times the yeah, price. Poshmark right. or something. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing anything. Yeah. It's like sometimes you see these um pop up. Uh, like hipster markets yeah Mm -hmm. it's like uh strawberry that one place that we went to (laughs) that was exactly what you're describing yeah it's like you go in there and this t-shirt that somebody got from margaritaville in fort lauderdale yeah yeah is forty dollars? Yeah, and that's actually really like that place was so much cheaper than the other places totally. I've seen. Totally, and, and that's yeah. ridiculous because they were still a little yeah, too the expensive. Yeah, the stuff the stuff in there was reasonably priced, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, the first thing, the first time I ever saw anything like this was in Florida. Um, I used to there's a there's a massive Haitian population down there, mm-hmm. and um, and you know Goodwill's been around for a while, so I remember growing up and going to Goodwill. And I would see, um, you know, uh, uh, I would see them buy a ch- like just a ton of shit, and then they would send it mm-hmm. back to their country, mm-hmm. and they would sell it like double, triple the amount of money because they were getting things yeah. in America so cheap, cheap, and then sending and selling it for like hella. Yeah, up you see month. that a lot mm-hmm. at right? um, like Dolphin Mall and like Dadeland Mall. Like people will come oh, back over. in Miami. Yeah, yeah. people uh-huh. will come. Uh-huh. With suitcases and just buy all the jeans in the store that they can that they can get their hands on and then yep. go home and sell it all for like three or four times the markup. It's fucking wow. genius. <laughs> That's gen- and they're the OGs. They're the ones that we need to like the people that are doing on TikTok need to like salute those people. Like, <laughs> they started it. <laughs> so yeah. that stuff's actually I mean, like that furniture is more expensive in Haiti than in the US. Uh, no, I just don't think they have that stuff over there. So people are willing to pay a price for it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, That's like. Um, Plus, I think there's this kind of like, people, oh, it came from America. Well, you know it, what I mean. And and some and, and depending on what it is, like if so, for the big thing was I remember jeans. You were you're spot on with that one. Mm-hmm. But also Apple products yep. over in the UK are much more expensive than they are are over in the United States. So people would come over here, buy a shit ton of Apple products, Mm -hmm. take them back over, not pay import tax on them, and then sell Sell them them. uh, for uh, uh, slightly uh, lower than the retail price over in the UK. Yeah, and and just enough markup to make it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's illegal. Okay. Yes. <laughs> None I, I, of what we're talking about. Well, I didn't know if it was <laughs> basically that like above the board. <laughs> if, it, if it was that, if it's below a certain threshold, they don't pay the import tax, so it's still legal, and that's why they're able to do it. But well, that's the thing. Like when you black market, when yeah. you travel internationally, um, when you get to your destination before you board, they give you they give you those. You have to claim De- declare right. whatever declare you're what you're bringing in. in. Yeah. That's basically what you have. Like, and you know, if you 
I don't sneak in a couple of oranges, right? And uh-huh. <laughs> like, and you're just saying, like, what? Well, it's like you can bring back so many bottles of wine, yeah. for instance, yes, without right. having to pay tax on right. that. It's right. a pretty low number, but I, so that, that's I mean, what I was saying. Also, too, though, like, you would hope that your stuff gets really examined when you're coming in or out internationally, but like, I've done it. It's not, doesn't really get examined. They kind of take really. you at your, depending on what you look like. Yeah being real here they kind of take you at your word mm-hmm. i've mm. never had to send a suitcase through their scanner before i always just walk through through yeah. customs yeah yeah it's and yeah. i have global entry so i'm trusted <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah is that right they're just like oh yeah it's miles uh, guys we're he's good. back we're yeah. good hey, there's you, you get the special line the diplomat, yeah. uh, international diplomat. Line. Actually, I think if you have global entry, you get pre TSA check uh, with it. Yeah, you for do. free. You get yeah. So when you're coming back into the country, there's a line for U.S. citizens, non-U.S. citizens, Vladimir Putin, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Donald Trump, <laughs> and global entry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Two of them lead to a prison, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one though? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That'd be crazy. That'd be a good game show. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> you get to come to America, but only if you pick the right line. <laughs> <laughs> one of them leads to your death. One goes straight to prison. One is in America. I'm surprised we haven't seen a show like, um, like cops, but for TSA. You know, like a <laughs> reality show for TSA. Like, you know, yeah, we're board- the border agents. Yeah. Oh, right? I guess do they have? Do that would that would be a show. I feel like they would they could make a show. They could. That. It'd start to be kind of xenophobic. Yeah, I was gonna say I bit. think it would cause a few problems. <laughs> or yeah, it would expose all the all abuse. the bullshit. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Maybe that's why they haven't had that's a show why. yet. <laughs> <laughs> like they were on to you. They took they took uh, cops off the off the air after like the whole George uh, Floyd oh, incident. Wow. Um, yeah, but don't they still have like live PD and stuff? No, actually, I'm sorry. They took off live PD. Really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, because I think cops is I think cops was one thing where it was like, you know, pre-recorded. They could edit it. Yeah. You know, but live PD it was kind of like anything was if it happened, it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think, um, it and it just wasn't a right time to be glorifying in a way, kind of glorifying. Yeah. police activity i've always um, thought that that was super weird to begin with i mean i mean it's I, trash as TV. a young people boy, love trash TV. I, I liked as a young boy i liked watching cops it's super entertaining though right? yeah because <laughs> it's entertaining it is. but i mean it makes you feel good about yourself because you're seeing these other people yeah, you're, and like, you're like well i'm not that guy <laughs> <laughs> but then you eventually start to think about it and you're like i am sad because <laughs> there's so many people yeah because like i i think they're I think if you if you took the entire catalog of cops and you rewatched it, I think you would find a lot of examples yeah. of um, of systemic like racism or uh, in, somewhat injustice or you know I, I know it's like edited uh, after the fact and mm-hmm. so I'm wondering you know how, how much, much of the, wasn't put in how much of it was like oh probably can't show that yeah. on TV. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of a release the tapes. Yes, we want to <laughs> see. Forget who killed JFK. We want to see the unreleased cops edition. Um, <laughs> be so fucked. <laughs> as soon as you get in the office, they show you if aliens are real, who killed JFK, 
uh, the Watergate stuff, and then the unreleased deleted Cop scenes. <laughs> Cops TV show. Yeah. No, that would be fucked. Would Is be Cops fun. still on the air? Can you look that up? I'm actually, because I know Live PD for sure has been taken down. I've, I think I watched like a two or three episodes. Yeah. It it's is kind of addicting. Is it on? So, uh, yeah, and it's on Fox Nation. Of course, it I is. I mean, are we surprised? So, uh, let's let's pull that. Uh, what do we got here? Zoom in on that mouse. How long has it been going for? Of course, it's on Fox Nation, dude. So, Fox Nation is that a is that like the streaming app for Fox News? Because I know like CNN has CNN Plus now. It looks like it because it says Fox Nation America is streaming a service of Fox News. Yeah, probably. Interesting, interesting. Let's see how, how much, much is it. Ninety nine cents. You can be a patriot. <laughs> oh my God! How wow. fucked is that? They're calling you. You get to be a patriot. Support America. It's those buzzwords. Fox News. <laughs> Some guy thought he was so clever in a meeting where they're trying to figure out. You know the the copy and language marketing for this. Veterans and first responders only get a free year at Fox Nation. Wow. So, Thanks, um, Fox. yeah, really, you're not one year. Come on, you can do better than that. This is ridiculous. They sacrifice their lives for us. Wow. What other shows? Uh, <clears throat> you can watch every episode of Tucker, Sean, and no Laura. No thanks. No thanks. How fucked is that? That. All these like videos of Tucker Carlson coming out anywhere he's like supporting Putin, like <laughs> literally the only guy on television. How weird is that? He's <laughs> something else. Something else for sure. Something else. Yeah. If if there's one person who's who's done more da- the most damage in the U.S. in the last six years, uh, it's not Donald Trump, in my opinion. Yeah. TC? It's TC. Yep. Tucky. But, hey, that's a discussion for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> no one actually cares. Yeah. Um. Well, thanks a, thanks a million for coming on. Thanks for yeah. uh, sharing your story. Thanks it's an incredible story. Um, we're so happy that it all worked out for you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I think it's a, it's a cool story because not a lot of people know what it's like to go through what you went through. And, yeah. and certainly it's, um, you know, inspiring, I think, to other people who may have similar issues and want to hear, um, you know, other people's uh, journey through it to, to help them cope through it. So I hope that this episode reaches a, at least a few of those uh, listeners um, at the very least. Uh but uh, we're super glad you're alive. <laughs> super glad you're here Me in too. Colorado. And uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, I speak for both uh, Miles and I when I say we definitely approve Logan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are getting um, married I next year, right? I got the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. That's September. exciting. Wow. And when's your book coming out? Yeah, uh, yeah tell us uh, <laughs> yeah, your life story. <laughs> Actually, I've got one working out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a book deal already. <laughs> we get 10%. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have you back on to promote it. Let's just say that <laughs> when, it's, when it's out. Um, yeah, thanks again for being on. I really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, adios. Adios. <laughs>